Welcome to Hope Chapel's Sermon Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by this teaching from God's Word. And we also want to invite you to join us in person at a worship service Friday at 7, Saturday at 6, or Sunday mornings at 9 or 11. Good morning. It's a great privilege to be back here at my home church. I've always heard throughout the years when people left here to do another work, they always said, there's no place like hope. There's no place like hope. And I thought, you know, I I can't relate to what they're saying at all because this is where I was going to stay for the rest of my life until God changed those plans. And I am telling you, you have the best of everything here at Hope Chapel. It's a community of loving believers who, who worship the Lord and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the word of God is exalted here. And I want to say this has been such a great experience this weekend to come back and share with all y'all. Uh, oh, all y'all, you probably don't know what that means. Let me give you a little education. This is the guide to using y'all, okay? One is just you, and two is y'all, and when there's more than two, it's all y'all. The benefit of that is that you get to save a syllable, okay? So it's really great to be back here, and I'm very thankful that uh, to see. You know what's funny is that everyone's sitting in the same places when I left. (laughs) I went to a wedding yesterday, and I did go to one table, and I wanted to to see if I had any gravitas left. And I said to the table, I said, hey, tomorrow when you come to service or when you go to service, I want you to sit in the front row. And everyone rejected it, said no. They said, you're not God, you're just Steve. And I go, you know what's funny? They sat in the front row last night and I was reflecting on this and I thought, you know, that's Christian maturity. And the reason I say that is they did that in honor of me. And so... Thank you. <laughs> they just did that to honor me. And the other four last night, also, I didn't expect you to sit in the front row. No one likes to sit in the front row, but I do. But thank you all for being here today. I want to read from Psalm 100. I haven't seen you in a long time. God bless you. <laughs> Psalm 100. I got to wear glasses now. Things change. I have a limp. I have a bald spot. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Amen. That's the word of the Lord, church. Who would agree that we are living in some pretty uncertain times? It seems we've never been more divided as a nation. There's always something new to argue about or disagree with, isn't there? We're news-saturated, we're cloistered in our tribes and at Facebook or Twitter is to be believed everything is bad and against us and nothing will ever be right again. And that would be true if our hope 
was only in government or the latest candidate or a Supreme Court decision or a new policy. Everything is bleak if our eyes are focused on this present life instead of our God, especially now as the presidential race has just begun. As I thought about what I could teach to bring encouragement to my family at Hope Chapel, I thought of Psalm 100, which is subtitled a psalm of thanksgiving, or as one pastor translated, a psalm of shouting. And this psalm is normally relegated to the Thanksgiving holiday, but what the Lord is doing in the world, in his church, and in our lives should cause us to shout in thanksgiving and praise every day of the year. Do you agree? Even more than that. We should shout and thank and praise God for who he is. It's because we get our eyes off of Jesus and onto our latest topic du jour that we tend to lose our thankfulness, isn't it? Psalm 100 is so well known that an old phrase from the last centuries was this, let us sing the old 100th. So today, let's sing the old 100th and learn five reasons to shout to the Lord so that when you think the world is caving in and life is hard and there's no reason to rejoice, you will remember these five S's whenever you think of Psalm 100. That okay? Verse 1. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. This is a command to shout. Charles Spurgeon. Yes, for those of you who are familiar with my teaching, I still quote Charles Spurgeon and my congregation in, in, in Johnson City hears Spurgeon regularly because he still speaks as if he were not dead. The original word signifies a glad shout, such as loyal subjects give when their king appears among them. Our happy God should be worshipped by a happy people. A cheerful spirit is in keeping with his nature, his acts, and the gratitude which we should cherish for his mercies. That's the attitude we ought to have with our Lord. Basketball fans at Duke University are known as the Cameron Crazies. Whenever they play their arch rival North Carolina, these are their instructions. This is the game you've been waiting for. No excuses. Give everything you've got. Cameron Stadium should never be less than painfully loud tonight. That's a great direction. Now, why do we holler so loudly at sports events or concerts or political rallies, but we're so seemingly stiff and staid and formal when it comes to our worship of the Lord? Have you noticed Jesus isn't boring? <laughs> what he has done is fairly significant in our lives. Would you agree? Let me give you a few reminders. 1 Corinthians 15, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The promise of eternal life is for all who would put their faith and trust in the Savior Jesus. If you have done that, you really have something to shout about, don't you? That was a hint. Yeah. Instead of arriving late for the singing portion of the service, we ought to be rushing to our seats expectantly. Why should the excitement end when we're in church? Come early. You know, the worship team, they rehearse. 
They think and pray what songs they should bring to you each weekend. So when you get here early or on time, you're honoring them. It's like sitting in the front row. The walls of Jericho fell flat when the people shouted. When David and all Israel brought the Ark of the Covenant back, they shouted. When Judah returned from their backsliding, they swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. How many of you brought your horn today? No? Where's Basil? He was here Friday and Saturday with a tambourine. Remember who you are shouting about and to. The maker of heaven and earth and you and me and everything we enjoy. The entire universe. Psalm 47 says, shout to God with loud songs of joy. Isaiah says, shout and sing for joy. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Psalm 33 says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. If you are a born-again believer in Jesus, you really ought to holler hallelujah because you trusted him and you are saved from hell. Now, Billy Bray was an old... Billy Bray, your cousin? Billy Bray was an old sinner whom God saved by his grace. Billy used to praise the Lord everywhere he went. Once he was praising the Lord as he usually did when someone came up and told him that he needed to calm himself down. They said it wasn't proper for a preacher to be shouting all the time. Well, Billy Bray responded by saying, I can't help myself. You see, I put down my right foot and it says hallelujah. I put down my left foot and it says amen. With that, he marched down the street shouting a chorus of hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, amen, hallelujah, amen. And that's the way I want all of you to walk out here today, okay? Hallelujah, amen. Shout to the Lord, all of Hope Chapel. Can you shout hallelujah? Hallelujah. Now, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How about amen? Amen. Awesome. Now that you are understanding that we are commanded to shout to the Lord, let me give you five reasons to do so. The first reason to shout is that we get to serve. Verse 2a, serve the Lord with gladness. A man wrote about his experience in a gift shop where he was greeted with a cheery good afternoon. And the young salesperson, he writes, chattered brightly as she pointed out the shop's unique products, shared my observations about the weather, helped me choose a gift and neatly wrap my purchase. You must really enjoy what you're doing, he said. Actually, I hate it, she replied. I'm only doing this because I have to. I can't wait until 6 o'clock comes so I can join my friends on the beach. As he walked away, he reflected on this young woman's behavior. She had given him the impression that she enjoyed her work, but in reality, she was merely putting in her time. Are you serving the Lord joyfully, or are you just putting in your time. How are you today, Christian brother and sister? Oh, you know, I'm I'm serving the Lord, just waiting to die. Get rid of the E, your faith. 
and serve the Lord with gladness. Rejoice in him. Forget about the Christian dirges that you're depressed. You have no reason to be depressed. It's an act of faith to not to be depressed, to trust in the Lord. Though we do get depressed, we can't stay there because God has done so much for us. He has done so much for us. You can just keep shouting to the Lord. Remember? Hallelujah. Amen. Are you serving the Lord somewhere? He didn't save you just to come to church. He didn't save you to escape his judgment only. He expects this from you in Romans 12.1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And there's a second part of that. When you are offering your bodies as living sacrifices, you know the part too, don't you? And do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. For then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. What kind of will is it? It's good, pleasing, and perfect. The King James Version says... Not your spiritual worship, it's your reasonable service after what Christ has done for you. The NESB says it's your spiritual service of worship. And you never know what God will do for you as you step out in faith to serve him as an act of worship. In 1865, William Booth started the Salvation Army with just his wife at his side. They served the Lord and they were constantly ridiculed and jeered. Their ministry in 19th century England was designed to attract, quote, wife beaters, cheats, and bullies, prostitutes, boys who had stolen the family food money, unfaithful husbands, burglars, and teamsters who had been cruel to their horses. Coincidentally, that was the mission statement for the singles ministry when I led it. <laughs> Salvation Army ministers did crazy things as they served the Lord to get people's attention. Captain John Lawley would dive into the ocean from the pier he was preaching on in the middle of a sermon to illustrate the boundless ocean of God's love. He would then finish that sermon in the middle of the sea. James Dowdle would slam his violin case down on a busy sidewalk and shout, Stand back, it might go off! As people gathered out of curiosity, he would play and preach. Another salvationist dressed as John the Baptist, still another, a former violent criminal, dressed in his prison clothes and preached on the street. They all did this as their act of service to the Lord to get people saved. The record speaks for the results of these forceful approaches. The Salvation Army has over 2 million members serving in 127 countries in 175 languages. I went to a wedding yesterday of Richard Chavarria. I call him Righteous Richard Chavarria. And when I started the first evangelism class here in 2006, I never met Richard in my life. And I said, God wants you on the J team. He goes, what's the J team? I go, the Jesus team. He showed up for my first class. And he changed from table to table to table so I would not call on him and I would not recognize him. And the homework was you get a pack of gospel tracts and you're supposed to hand one out every day. Well, he took those gospel tracts and put them in his glove box of the car, and he never handed one out. Well, after the class, he felt called, for some strange reason, to preach at the local DMV in Torrance. And he did that faithfully. He did it two or three days a week. 
When I wrote an article about him five years later, he had kept track of the people he had witnessed to. And five years' time, he had witnessed to over 30,000 people. Now, when I wrote that article in 2011, it's 2019 now, my estimate is he's witnessed to probably 100,000 people just by preaching at the DMV. And that's crazy, isn't it? What the heck? Hey, that is what I call, some people would call that a captive audience. Not fair. No, I call it an organic congregation. No preservatives, nothing to raise them artificially. They're there. So what does God have for you? Maybe you think you're too old to serve the Lord. I just turned 60 in March. I started thinking about my own mortality. Carrie Fisher died at 60. General George Patton died at 60. Sergio Leone, the director of the Spaghetti Western, died at 60. And, and, and worse, Shemp, the fourth stooge, died at 60. Moses started his ministry at age 80 and worked 40 more years bringing grumbling Israelites into the promised land. Noah lived until he was 950 years old and gave the world a do-over. Enoch, Enoch lived 365 years but walked faithfully with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. Can you imagine serving in hope and action and then everyone disappears? Then they got to call the pastors down and help and they disappear. And then they call you and you disappear. Can you imagine walking with God 365 years and just going to be with him? Imagine living so long and so committed to God that the Lord just up and takes you away, skipping over that nasty middle step in the retirement home. Oh my, my daughters promised me they're going to change my diapers. Praise God. But I'm going to still... I'm still in my wheelchair. Hallelujah. Amen. Wheel me a little bit over here. Now, Adam lived 930 years, and all he did for God was throw the whole human race into sin, bringing about this whole death business. Maybe he should have quit serving at age 929. What do you think? I'm wondering, are there still places to serve here in Hope Chapel? Are there any needs to be filled? Yeah. Okay. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? The second reason to shout to God is this. God listens when we sing. The second part of verse 2. Come into his presence with singing. You can shout. You can sing. That doesn't need much explanation, does it? If you're happy and thankful, you will sing. The hymn says so. I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. For his eye is on the sparrow. Yes, he does. And you don't even have to carry a tune. Just a joyful noise will do. I read that singing changes the brain. Some studies show that our bodies release hormones that relieve anxiety and stress when we sing. Other research indicates that when a group of people sings together, get this, their heartbeats actually synchronize with one another. Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing 
and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine how that would sound if we greeted each other in that way on a regular basis. The Bible repeats sing praise over 30 times. Sing. Dance. My friend Amalio in Johnson City would always say to me when I was down, sing a little song to Jesus. Do a little jig for him. And he wouldn't stop telling me that until I did it. So I'd have to sing a song and then I'd do a little jig. Is that a jig? I don't know. I read about a Christian conference where helium balloons were given to the people and they were to release them during the service when they felt like expressing the joy in their hearts. When it was over, one third of the people were still holding on to their balloons. Please, everyone, don't hold on to your praises. Sing them out with all your heart, no matter where you find yourself. William Dix wrote the Christmas carol, What Child Is This?, when he was stricken with a serious illness at age 29, bedridden and severely depressed. Though blind from a doctor's error at six weeks old, Fanny Crosby could have been bitter her entire life. Instead, she penned over 3,000 hymns in praise to her God, including the classic Blessed Assurance. Horatio, Horatio Spafford lost everything in the great Chicago fire of 1871, and he lost his four daughters when their ship sank. He had good reason to be angry and bitter towards God, but instead he penned the hymn, It is well with my soul. Christian, if you know your Lord, you will shout, you will serve, and you will sing. Now the third reason to shout is that we get to submit. Verse 3, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us and we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now this is implied, but we are told to know that the Lord is God. Therefore we submit. The word means to make a distinction. We submit to God's person because He alone is God. Exodus 3, God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am is a reflection of God's being. God is the only self-existent or self-sufficient being. No one created God. Only God has life in and of himself. Adonai is another of God's names, which means the one who is absolutely Sovereign, have you made the right distinction and acknowledged God Almighty as the God of your life? Have you submitted to him? Now, Christians are bond slaves to Christ. That means we are slaves. Bond slaves were slaves in Hebrew culture who, when released... They loved their master so much they wanted to stay with him the rest of their lives. So they did. Same with Christ. We are willing slaves, aren't we? We are willing to serve the king, our master, and our Lord. Now we also submit to God's purposes because the psalm reminds us that we are what we are because he has made us. He can do what he wants with us. 
Are you willing to go along with God's plan? You know, I was going to stay at Hope Chapel, as I said, for the rest of my life, but God changed my plan six years ago when I had lunch with another man from Hope. He was our uh, financial guy, Kevin Pata. We had lunch, and he says, God has called you to Texas, Steve. They need evangelical pastors there. And all I could say is there was a strange warming in my heart. I didn't want there to be a warming in my heart. I wanted it to remain cold and faithful to Hope Chapel. (laughs) Within two months, we sold our home and I moved to Texas. We planted a little church in a storefront building and it failed after a year and a half. And my money was running out. I was being supported by Hope Chapel. What am I going to do? Well, just through a series of circumstances... I met somebody who was an elder at, this for, at the church I serve now, and they hired me, and they were going to close the door two weeks in two weeks. So I got there, and I'm thankful for that. Then 60% of the people left over the ensuing four years. And last year, there was some division, and there were struggles. And it's been very challenging, very difficult. It's been very painful. It's been horrendous. But guess what? You're not promised when you do God's will, success and blessing as we see blessing. But what this has done to me has caused me to trust him more. I don't think there's anything that I could be disappointed in anymore. And now I'm on the other side. I'm on the other side of Psalm 13 that Pastor Mike talked about. I can say with all of my heart, Psalm 100, but I was able to say with all of my heart, Psalm 13, the last five years. It's absolutely true. When you're going through it and you're holding on to Christ with all that you have and you're depressed and you're struggling, but you can come out the other side, the last part of those of Psalm 13 and say his steadfast love, he's faithful, I'm going to praise him. That's maturity. But we're always growing in that aspect, aren't we not? But then when you come to Psalm 100 and you're able to say, I praise you and I thank you, you brought me through, but you're still able to praise him and thank, thank him as you're going through it, that's maturity. You do it by faith. Now God has called me to another thing. I live on beautiful seven acres. Every man wants land. Right, man? Land. But you don't get any in California. <laughs> you have laws and taxes and gas prices. and <laughs> God has called me six months ago to put up my property for sale and move from my seven acres 7,500 square foot lot in the middle of town. Why? To reach the people of the community. When I'm 80 or 85, I can live on a... No, I'm going to live in the town because I want to reach the people. God called me to be a, 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 a board of director, one of the directors on the Chamber of Commerce. Why to reach people? And in this small town, it's easy to meet people and you get to know people. It's awesome that you, you, that's something you can't understand unless you live in a small town. And I never had before, but I got pulled over for a speeding ticket two weeks ago. And the officer came up and he goes, your license, please. I get it out. He looks at me, he goes, oh, hi, Steve. Hey, slow down. Yes. Small town living. So I'd appreciate if you pray for my property to sell so I can move on to phase two of reaching my community. My community. It's my community. I want to be the pastor of Johnson City, though we have 12 churches there. I want to be the guy because all the outreach I learned here at Hope Chapel applies to a small town where most of those pastors, and they're good men and good people, you know, they're pastoring their flocks, but I want to get out there and I want to reach everybody by living in the midst of them. 
So at the end of your notes, there's a website that uh, there's a link you can fill out to get my monthly email. I'd appreciate that if you just did that because we need prayer. Now, missionary Amy Carmichael wished she had blue eyes instead of brown and even prayed that God would change her eye color and was disappointed when he didn't. After serving God in India for 55 years, she realized God's wisdom and the way he had made her. If her eyes were blue instead of brown, she may not have reached as many people in India. Amy knew what submission was. When asked about missionary life, she replied, missionary life is simply a chance to die. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a martyr during World War II in Germany, said this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. That's submission. You're giving up your life for his life, and he fills you. What should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his very soul? Now, we submit to God's word because we are the sheep of his pasture. We are his people. We belong to him. He knows what's best for us. He looks out for our best interests. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. When we choose not to sin against the Lord, we do so because we are submitting to his counsel. If you wonder what the word says, you go to a pastor, they give you counsel. Now, if you sincerely want counsel from the word and you need a pastor to explain it, what do you think your response ought to be? Yeah, thank you, pastor. I'll do it. I tell you, I've seen lots of people not do it, and then they come back and go, I should have done it. Well, so you tell them what to do again, and then they don't do it, and they come back, and they lose an arm, and they're limping. I'm limping. But listen, God's word never returns empty, but will accomplish the purposes he has set out for it to do. And it's to grow you. It's to make you strong in the faith. Listen to his counsel. Now, in the movie Rudy, a Catholic priest gives this advice. Son, in all my years of theological studies, I have come to the harsh conclusion that there are only two truths I know for sure. One, there is a God. And two, I'm not him. <laughs> That's true. Warren Wiersbe says, when you submit to God the creator, God the father, and Christ the shepherd, you are praising God. Submitting to him is aligning your will to his will and obeying his word. Submit to God. He will love and guide you. Do you believe that? Yes. Fourth reason to shout is that we stride. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. Being thankful is not always easy, is it? It's contrary to human nature, and requires that we live out our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, we can get just as complainy and whiny as the next person. We are to stride towards God with thanksgiving. And stride is defined as this. To walk with long, decisive steps in a specified direction. May I suggest this is the way that you walk towards God? Hallelujah. Amen. That's how you stride, and you do it with sincerity of heart. Billy Graham said, Gratitude is one of the greatest Christian virtues. Ingratitude, one of the most vicious sins. It takes an act of will to give thanks when things are going wrong, when your plans don't pan out, when your life is upended. It takes an act of will to be thankful for all the things that we should be thankful for. 
Robert Louis Stevenson said, the person who has stopped being thankful has fallen asleep in life. It's very easy to grumble, to blame, to have a pity party, isn't it? It's quite another thing to remember that God is in control, that he is sovereign over your circumstances, and that we have the opportunity to be thankful for what he's allowing us to experience so that we may bring him honor. A visiting preacher to a small country church delivered a sermon on gratitude. At the conclusion of the sermon, when an offering was to be taken up for him, he said, And remember, however small the gift, always be grateful and thankful to the Lord. Well, the offering was taken up, and using the preacher's hat as a collection plate, when the hat came back to him, the preacher looked inside, and it was empty. Seeing this, the congregation watched carefully to see if he would practice the words about gratitude, which he had just preached about. The preacher thought for a moment, then prayed, Dear Lord, I thank thee that I got my hat back. <laughs> now we're also to stride towards God with praise. Puritan Thomas Watson said, Praising God is one of the highest and purest acts of religion. In prayer, we act like men. In praise, we act like angels. Pastor and author Erwin Lutzer wrote, if we want to prepare for our final destination, we should begin to worship God here on earth. Our arrival in heaven will only be a continuation of what we have already begun. Praise is the language of heaven and the language of the faithful on the earth. Are you faithful? Are you on the earth? Let's say praise him. Praise him. 30 years ago and newly saved, I was working at a grocery store as a stock clerk. And because I was a Christian, I was being made fun of for my faith. And I was persecuted because you know those people in the world. And I had a half an hour commute to my job. So in that half an hour commute, I was fearful about what was going to happen. I conjured up in my mind all these horrendous scenarios I would experience. So when I got there, this is what I did. Because I heard Pastor Zach say this. When you're in trouble, when you're in trial, when you're experiencing extreme difficulties, praise and thank the Lord. Praise and thank the Lord. So as I was stocking those shelves, I was praising him, I was thanking him until I could no longer remember what I was fearful about. And it still works today. It works because he works. Why does it work? It gets our eyes off of ourselves. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says this. This is exactly the point. If you then have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's why our entire life is his. The fifth and final reason to shout is that God's love is steadfast. Verse five, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. His love endures. He is faithful and his work continues in us and in the world. Contrary to what you may have heard, the church is not declining because God's faithfulness continues through all generations. According to a new book called The Myth of the Declining Church by Glenn Stanton, evangelical churches and non-denominational churches have been holding steady 
and have even been growing since the 70s. Research out of Harvard says this, quote, evangelicals are not in decline. We have grown from 18% of the population in 1972 to about 28% just recently. People are leaving the mainline denominations, though, in droves. You know why? Because they're compromising on the faith. They deny the deity of Christ and the reality of the resurrection. Every time the churches become more liberal, people leave. The bottom line, churches who compromise the truth are declining. Churches who hold fast to the word and take it literally are growing. Something else is happening as well. Because we no longer live in a Christian culture, in fact, we live in an anti-Christian culture, people who, are not really, people who really have not been saved, born again by the Spirit of God, they're leaving because there's no need for them to go to church. So when you see people leaving the church, it's because they were not saved anyway. So the true church is not declining, it's growing in those who God has regenerated and caused to have faith and granted repentance to believe. That's good news. Now how's the church doing around the world? Well, these scholars say exploding, booming, hundredfold increases in Africa and Asia. These churches are not the heretical health and wealth gospel that I'm talking about. I'm talking about faithful biblical Christianity. This research is from scholars who don't use hyperbole very much. More conservative theological seminaries have been built in Africa in the last 10 to 15 years than all of the rest of the world combined. That's awesome. Why is this happening? For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Stay with it. Stay with it. Don't quit stay faithful no matter what you go through you hang in there and hold on to Christ you stay with him because he's with you to the very end of the age I had one promise I made to God is I will not quit I thought it was time but I will not quit and God has been faithful every step of the way and because of Hope Chapel I still get counseled by Pastor Zach I call him or he calls me once a month and I listen to him he has never steered me wrong. And you are a fool if you leave this church because this church believes this book. And this book tells you about this God. And this God has granted you salvation through our Jesus. And he has given you his spirit to persevere to the end. I hope this psalm gives you something to shout about. So can we all say together, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. If Basil was there, he would outshout you. Can we say, thank you, Lord? Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for what you do. Thank you for your spirit in us. Thank you for your salvation, your forgiveness, your grace, your mercy, your love, your perseverance. Thank you, Jesus for saving a wretch like me and all the others out there. I thank you, God, that when we are weak, you are strong and your strength is perfected in weakness. Not many of us are wise, but you use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Thank you, Jesus, that your plan is not our plan. 
Thank you that your ways are not our ways. We don't understand all of them, but what we do understand, help us to obey. We love you, Lord. Fill us with your Holy Spirit today so that we can do greater works than Jesus because you promised we would. And I thank you for this faithful congregation. Let them stand firm forever. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. On behalf of the Hope Chapel family, we want to thank you for joining us. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can visit www.hopechapel.org.